Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 100. We did it, guys. Yay. For Wednesday, March 17th. I am Alex Uwe here today with Alex Rudy, Farbode Marcazi, Ray Estrada. You know them all. How are you guys doing? Happy St. Patrick's Yay. Day. Oh, yes. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, huh. we're, be, beat the Shift is now 100 years old. Uh, yes. No. It's our hundredth birthday. Uh, yeah, I can't. Be- I can't believe that. Two hundred more years. As far since that long <laughs> night of deciding to rebrand to beat the shift. I mean, I can believe it, but it's it's really cool seeing this growth. The rebrand it paid off. We'll see. Remains to be seen. Uh, but yes, we hundred years in the books is exciting. I. I do want to mention, um, I last night I did go through our old podcasts episodes, and I think we were up near ninety. So we're we're coming up on our almost two hundredth total as a group podcast, uh, except maybe some of them with without Ray. Oh yeah, mo- most people have no idea just just how long we've we've been in the the amateur yeah. podcast game, unrivaled in that in that department. Um, but yeah, welcome everybody. We have a very special podcast for you on episode 100. We weren't just gonna do a boring old news podcast and, and subject you to the same stuff that you would get any other week. No, no, you get something special for 100. Since we have spent so much time criticizing other people's rankings the last few weeks, particularly MLB Network's top 100, we figured it would be very fitting for us to create our own top 100 MLB players right now list. And we're going to share the whole thing because I don't know. I, we, we did it. It's, we did, we did the whole thing. It, it's because we want to be criticized as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's We want to be criticized, but like you honestly can't find any fault with this. Yes. I, I think, I think this is we a very grouping. We taunt yeah, this is... find fault with it. <laughs> <laughs> do it you won't you scared rudy where where do they do it where, how do they even talk to us they can't twitter <laughs> they, they, they can't <laughs> no wrong answer of you can tell us how terrible our rankings are on twitter rudy facebook or instagram at beat the shift bp and that is also where the list will be over the next few days i will unveil the list 20 spots at a time but if you listen to this podcast, you get the whole list up front, like a sneak preview almost, except not really, because um, I was going to do except this anyway. Like, you can't visualize it, so like write it down maybe? I don't know. Yeah, make sure every everybody take notes on, on which players you have the, the biggest grievance with, who is the biggest snub, um, because I know there will be complaints unless, David Fletcher. unless everybody's already clicked away, in which case we should probably get started. And start... I relish in your complaints. Yes. Start not with the list. Uh, You thought it was going there, right? We are going to start by talking about our criteria for this list. Because unlike MLB Network, we want to explain what criteria we use for this list and not just come up with random uh, compelling storyline-based arguments for, for the entire list. So... Let's just start with that. We're going to run through this. 
and then when we do get to the list, we'll start at the top. We won't make you wait for number one. We'll we'll work our way from one to one hundred, um, because you don't need the suspense. We're we're gonna talk about the interesting players first at the very very top, and then move our way down. Criteria, I think one of the biggest things, the first thing that we'll talk about, is just generally how much do you value the quality of a pitcher's per inning or a batter's per AB performance versus the overall body of work that they can, they have contributed in the past over whether it's a full season, whether it's over multiple seasons, uh, their career accolades, how do you weigh those against each other? Because, because obviously some players are really, really good, but don't have as much, uh, don't have as many, big numbers to back them up yet but the quality of their play so far is is certainly warrant uh certainly warrants a higher ranking uh i'll ask rudy this question first and just kind of um just kind of share generally where you land and by the way we we did this list together we talked about these things so we already know so we're not going to disagree with each other too much on these We're, we're gonna uh go through them together more or less so, Rudy, go ahead and talk a little bit about about that in your eyes. Well, I think we used uh, the metric system primarily to uh, weigh and scale. <laughs> we all had our TI-83s out. But, I mean, I think all of us don't greatly differ in how we view the game um, beyond the minutiae that we create conversation on. I think to us, it was all that you kind of said it indirectly, actually, is that it's just about finding a comfortable balance. I think that's the solution we kind of used often to come around that was by um, basically creating the visualizing players of similar caliber, I think oftentimes and helping um, breaking up this list um, helped us to kind of differentiate, um, you know, where, where people kind of differ in a, in a way that often is kind of hard to purely quantify in just the stats. And so in terms of, um, I, I mean, I think I'm not, I'm rambling here, but I think a lot of it is just kind of uh, at the end of the day, like you have to factor in all these stats, the context, the prior history, the age, and at the end of the day, it's our collective gut feeling that kind of determined how all those weighed against each other in comparison to these other players. I think ultimately. Um, yeah. So I'll try to uh, I'll try to summarize for those of you who are confused. It's a combination of the two. It's not one or the other. It's not who has the better career stats. It's not who has the better outlook moving forward. You kind of have to weigh both sides. There are players on here with very high potential that they've they've shown at the big league level, but we've left off some players who really only have like prospect pedigree and really haven't haven't produced at the big league level yet. Or the other way around, there's there's players that have put up tremendous numbers in their major league career so far but have very clearly indicated in in the last years that they are 
falling off a bit from from what they have done in their whole body of work. So the quality of their performance, not so good right now, as the list says. So combination of the two. And Rudy started rattling off a lot of other factors that were important to our discussion in coming up with this list. Uh, He mentioned team context. Uh, Ray, if you could just briefly go over a little bit more about what that means, because it's a very general term. Yeah, it is a very general term. I I think, you know, to determine a player against, um, like, you know, a bunch of, uh, ranking him, say, against a bunch of other players, you have to take into account uh, how he contributes to his team, what his role is on that team, and how he performs that role. So, it's not, you know, we're not ranking this by, oh, how many guys hit the most home runs on a team and, like, not going straight off, like, you know, slugging percentage and RBIs. It's like, no, some guys are good at what they do and very good at what they do and, and hugely uh, productive in that sense, but they might not, not necessarily throw up the flashy numbers um, that other guys uh, ranked around them or even behind them might put up. But it's it's uh, all about the role that they play on the team and the impact they have on, on the game. Mm-hmm, definitely. And some of that doesn't necessarily reflect on the player. Like sometimes a pitcher no, yeah. will be used less less on on one team than than another pitcher would in another team but um that doesn't mean they're the inferior pitcher necessarily if they if they don't reach uh you know certain thresholds or if a hitter it hits low down in the lineup because he's on a really good team um doesn't have the counting stats but is still producing or performing like a like a player that would be one of the best hitters on another team so f- things like that from a team context perspective uh, positional comparisons, so, so difficult in a list like this, especially between pitchers and hitters. I'm just going to say right now, we don't have an answer for that. Nobody does. Wins above replacement, you can't even do that uh, with maybe the most agreed upon like consensus uh, value stat because between pitchers and hitters, you just really can't compare them. Um, it's it's more, again, just a gut feeling thing uh, that, you know, just that, that we kind of roll with there. But even within like d- different positions around around the field and defensive uh, value, as seen by wins above replacement in in where they are, um, Farbode, if you want to try to to explain a little bit how how we went about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you honestly said what we needed to say, but there's it it all comes down to. Um, not only how good the player has been, not only his stats uh, or uh, the team he's on, the context, but how does he compare to the, like if we're comparing a pitcher where he's probably in the top 10, top 15 pitchers in the game, but what if he's like a top, like how does he compare, how does his value compare to a top 20 um, position player? Let's say they're at more of a, how do you say, a valuable position like shortstop or uh or an outfield like or do you put a third baseman ahead of a first baseman simply because of the um value of his position or does a guy play multiple positions uh, like does he provide his team or the league or whatever that value being versatile so it's kind of combining finding the balance between all of those mm-hmm. that's pretty well said overall i would say uh and just generally in in our preferences i find that defense in positional um value we value a lot less than maybe wins above replacement does just because 
um, offense is the much more difficult skill to replace, uh, you know, across the league. Like there, there's just an overwhelming amount of replacement level defense that is high caliber, but if like without the bat, it's, it's hard. So I, I think if you're comparing it us to a, a war metric, uh, we value defense less than war, partially because defensive metrics are really unreliable to look at on paper. A lot of that is the eye test. And, uh, and yeah, offense is just a lot more difficult to replace in our opinions. Uh, another important note is just about health. Uh, and it's worth noting that we left players off who will not be playing at the start of the season and likely not until way later in the season. So no Chris sale on this list, like Mike Soroka, Luis Severino, players like that. Uh, will not be on this list. Justin Verlander, some very good players who probably would be considered there. We're just not touching them because the health concerns in, like right now, it's not really fair to rank them in their performance because they can't play right now. Uh, so that's something else that um, is worth noting. And just in general, like how much we we ding a player for for being... A, an injury-riddled player, uh, I'd say it's pretty pretty reasonable. Uh, certain players have proven that they, they have trouble uh, staying on the field and, and giving you like 150 games a season uh, or anything comparable to that. But um, I think for the most part, um, if, if players have missed time due to health, they, they don't get dinged too hard. Um, and I guess the last thing that I've, that we've already talked about a little bit, and that's just how much we use the eye test versus the analytics, the numbers when you're combing through baseball reference and fan graphs pages. We use fan graphs a lot for this, um, by the way. Fan graphs is great. But um, but also, we, we all watch baseball. We, we can tell which players are maybe undervalued by more traditional analytics and provide that intangible um quality to to any team and in, in how dynamic they are and the type of game that they play um so i think we'll get into that discussion certainly a little bit more with some of these early players in our list because at this point you're you're really splitting hairs between the, the types of talent there and i think the eye test will come into play uh in the early part of this list especially so how do we do? We, we're 15 minutes in. We haven't set a single player on our list. How about we do it now? Let's start hey. at the top with, uh, with Farbode. Farbode Markazi is number one. Um, oh, wait. No, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, I, I read that wrong. It, it's actually Mike Trout, uh, but, <laughs> but Farbode well, is, uh, kind of has claim to Mike Trout. So I'm going to let you talk about Mike Trout. I will give you... Um, 30 seconds to to say why Mike Trout is the best player. If you need that much, it might take Do less. Do you need that? I no. Don't, I don't need... Okay, so, uh, first of all, we're not Joel Sherman. We're not putting Mike Trout third in, um, <laughs> in MLB right now. I don't think there's a question. There's no conversation to be had. Mike Trout is the best player in the game, bottom line. Okay, that was short and sweet. That was like eight seconds. Love it. Uh, number two, also not really too contested at this point. Mookie Betts. They you know, below Mike Trout, each kind of in their own tier there, 
but Mookie Betts is the all-around player that just deserves to be there, just constantly doing it. Ray, any anything about Mookie Betts that is important and worth noting? Man, play baseball good. Yeah, that he does. See, these ones, the not contentious rankings, we're good. We did it. Uh, how about the number one pitcher? Not too contentious either at this point. Jacob deGrom, unbelievable that he keeps getting better year after year, and he's been doing it for years now. You I see what he yeah. did today. I believe he threw, what, like seven pitches over 100 miles an hour in the first yeah, inning and alone? A, a 94-mile-an-hour slider. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. Um, but Jacob deGrom, at the top there, we matched his, uh, his definitive number two at the starting pitcher spot. Uh, at the number four overall in Garrett Cole. So the closest thing to to a one-two tier, very Mike Trout, Mookie Betts-esque, where one's clearly above the other, but both have a, a good bit of separation between the next best there. Um, yeah, I think and some would argue Garrett Cole could go lower. Rudy, if you just want to like share why it is that we, we have them together um, in this case. I think uh, the argument that we had basically was that, um, or the discussion was that Cole and DeGrom are in their own tier of ace caliber performance. They raise the ca- like the, the ceiling of your team in just a unique way. And we felt that their rankings had to reflect and reward that in the sense that um, they're as close as any pitchers can come to being on that Mookie Betts and Mike Trout tier of just like these guys single-handedly make these teams contenders almost, or these guys are perennially in the Cy Young um, contention just automatically mm-hmm. as a, as a favorite to win. Yeah. And, and generally this top four consists of the consensus top two position players and the consensus top two starting pitchers um again hard to compare between pitchers and position players but tremendous value and huge separation uh between them and the next best on the list really so let's let's do it this way uh starting to move forward i'm gonna start naming groups of players as we move down here and we'll kind of discuss them um in a group, so you, you kind of know where they're stacking, like who who they're stacking up against. Uh, so five through, let's just do five through ten right off the bat. There's a lot of a lot of variety in the types of players here. We have Juan Soto at five, Christian Yelich six, Freddie Freeman seven, Anthony Rendon eight, Ronald Acuna nine, Fernando Tatis Jr. ten. That's the top ten rounded out right there. Let's start with Juan Soto, who is incredibly young and he's a, f- a few spots above the other uh young prodigy type of players in this group but uh ray like the, just if you want to share why the separation is that drastic um just to make it clear uh for for everybody um, out there i mean one one soto is doing things offensively that like is literally historic i mean if i had the type of pace that he's on like basically mike trout-esque like on base percentage um pace so far career still over 400 
Um, he is amazing on the offensive end. And like you said, we didn't dig him too much for the defense. So I think that's why, you know, we see that buffer against uh, the other two young guys, Acuna and Tatis, um, who are obviously very, very good. But uh, Juan, Juan Soto just seems uh, on the offensive end, this, this total package um, of somebody who is a really elite hitter at a very young age and who hasn't shown any signs of slowing down in his couple years in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think the closest uh, contention there would be Christian Yelich, who over like the 2019-2020 season sample, uh, and obviously if you go back further with Yelich, Yelich has been doing it even longer, that MVP caliber production, um, you know, 1,000 OPS type of players with, you know, again, the defensive metrics don't love him, but they're perfectly capable outfielders. Yelich probably a little better defensively. But the reason Yelich is a spot below is just because even though 2020 can't be weighted nearly as equivalently as any other season, just as a 60-game sample under really unique circumstances, he did show kind of the... Uh, the holes in, in his game that we thought were just gone altogether. Like he, he had a really rough stretch where he was striking out a lot, still hit for some power, but um, you know, a flawed 60 game sample like that in recent memory was, I, I think enough to, to ding him there, even though, uh, you know, you, you stack their, their on base numbers and their, and their slugging percentages up against each other. Um, they'll be pretty, pretty darn similar in a lot of those respects in, uh, pretty clearly the next best hitting tier that is there. Um, I but mean, the, the next the next names are good as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they like uh, Yelich and Soto are probably the next two like closest um, in consideration for that spot. I think Yelich also. The, we, there there were some guys that we took down we actually dropped them in what we would have had because they had a bad 2020 yelich wasn't really part of that like you mentioned um because we have the longer sample size we and the things that he was doing during that sample size that was historic that was tremendous that that's something that warranted his spot this high Mm -hmm. exactly so the next two players are just old old reliable both of them year in year out just get it done every year and and especially you know freeman in this shortened season uh went off and showed that like he's every bit as as uh real as ever so freddie freeman anthony rendon are the next two they're pretty closely stacked against each other rendon maybe plays a tougher position who knows but uh freeman's bat just ever so slightly edges out rendon's bat um and and that's enough at that point for me when when you're looking at the role that those two players kind of have with their respective teams like they're just tremendous reliable hitters and Freddie Freeman's just that slight bit better in um in in a lot of these categories so Freeman over and don't Acuna versus Tatis is a tough one too both we talked about this for a while yeah both prodigies really on the baseball scene have already put up great major league numbers it's not speculation to to determine how good they are we know how good they are 
the question is which one's better right at this point we're not we're not even speculating about who could be better um we've seen what they're capable of um Tatis threw about like a full season's worth of games at this point now and Acuna longer so Acuna above Tatis I feel like a lot of it has to do with just Acuna has been doing it a little bit longer and has has proven that uh he can he can adjust to the learning curve he's he's already shown that bit I, I think that's the biggest thing uh for me but if if any of you guys want to chime in on why Acuna over Tatis I think you also you um you hit it on the head there. I mean, it's not like we think Tatis is necessarily um, drastically worse. I think they're on the same tier. Where who knows? Next year we could put them in the top five, or like we're probably going to put them in the top five. They they're both incredible players. Um, one of the things I did think was interesting uh, after talking about how important some positions are or how we weighted that. And like, if you want an example of our gut feeling is the number, the first shortstop that we have on this list is 10th overall. I like you would probably think he, it might be, a little, he might be a little higher. Yeah. And I would say a lot of people do have Tatis higher for one, because of how dynamic of a player he is. You use the eye test. He looks like the next superstar of this game. He's so young. He's so, He's so athletic. I mean, you say that about all these guys, but um, the kinds of things he does have that extra special bit of flair. Um, but I think uh, sometimes we forget that Acuna has that that bit of flair as well. Um, especially like, you know, defensively, Acuna pretty like very good defensively, even though he doesn't make as many flashy plays as Tatis. Acuna actually steals more bases than Tatis, even though we we look at Tatis as like this tremendous base runner um with with this electric speed Acuna's got speed too he's he's there and like they're they're so head-to-head in so many ways uh I just think Acuna having shown that he can get through that learning curve and uh and just straight up produce a ton for his team is uh has been the separator um anything else or should should I give this next here all right okay uh, let's keep moving shane bieber is in a tier of his own here at number 11 he has put up garrett cole type of numbers over the last two seasons well you know season and a half really um but it, it every bit of it looks real in terms of the kind of stuff he possesses it does not look fluky and his 2020 was absolutely historic. So there's not much reason to believe he can't keep it up. The reason he's separated by this top tier starting pitcher again is he, I like he still kind of has to show he can get past the the learning curve that can come with, particularly a, a full season grind. Like you talk about the, the the AL Central as a division, and that being the in the NL Central, really, too. A couple weak divisions that Shane Bieber gets to go up against in in his electric Cy Young season. He was really good last year. That's not to say that he hasn't proven it against everybody else, but um, he's certainly proven it less than guys like Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole. Um, 
so I think that's that's where Bieber lies. I swear I'm not going to do the explanations for all of these. I'm going to just read this next tier of infielders. And boy, this is a tier right here. Uh, it is going to take some explaining. So I will rely on you heavily for that. We 12 through 17 have Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, Cody Bellinger, Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado. Those are some names right there. Let's start at the top side of it uh, with Bregman versus the rest, really. Rudy, if you want to take point on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think we spent like a lot of time debating this, maybe. The Probably most. the longest time, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, ultimately we decided Bregman was the clear leader, um, despite the obvious asterisk that we don't have to get into. And uh, that was just the production. That's what it came down to. And then after him, I think you have a bunch of guys. Oh, I think Rudy cut out at a bad time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Farbo would help him. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, after after Bregman, it's... The closest I think the... Go ahead, Rudy. Rudy, Rudy, you you cut out there pretty bad. Uh, So maybe maybe we might need to stop that thought there before people get very confused. (laughs) Um, Well, you Uh, got to love the internet connections. Um, Let's talk about the the shortstops here, Lindor's story, back-to-back, Farbode. Um, well, Lindor and Story, they're we we debated Story for a while too. I mean, it when when Rudy said we debated Bregman, uh, probably the most, we debated this whole tier probably the most. Uh, we moved Story up, we moved Lindor down. Um, obviously, they're both very good offensively. We we did put a bit of we did give Lindor a bit of an advantage, um, for his defense, obviously. Um, uh, and I don't, I personally, in my, when I was putting my own rankings together, I didn't take into the course factor. And I don't think our group really took in the course factor for story. That's not why he's below Lindor, but I think these two are pretty much on a very similar, um, tier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's just a combination of Francisco Lindor having just that bit more, uh, like reliable defense, even though I said we don't take defense into account that much. And also, um, like there is a little bit to the cores effect, right? Like Trevor Story's numbers are like, tr- they're tremendous, but um, Francisco Lindor doing it in a little different context, it's more like a, a tiebreaker. And I think it's tough because Lindor also you really have to go back to like 2018 to see like the MVP caliber Lindor. He's had a lot of, I don't know, struggles throughout this time for, for a variety of reasons, but, but really looked, uh, he's convincing enough that he is still capable of that offensive production. Uh, He hasn't really like shown a decline on that front, even though the numbers definitely don't stack up uh, offensively to Trevor story in the 2019 2020 sample um 
so yeah, that's that's what we had there. Let's go Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is probably one of the most unique players on this list. Uh, Ray, if you want to just discuss why Cody Bellinger yeah, um, is, is where he is. Well, sort of touching back on our criteria, we also talked about um, taking into account guys' ceilings and um, like just how good they can be and how good we've seen them. We've seen them be not necessarily, you know, just potential. Like we've seen the potential. Uh, so Cody Bellinger, obviously. Uh, uh, 2019 MVP. He's been. He's had a couple of really good seasons. He's had a couple okay seasons. Um, so that's why he finds himself in in this tier. We talked about the the inconsistencies that he's that he's had throughout his career. Just um, basically every other year being really good. Every and then the in between years being more mad, but still pretty serviceable. And and um, and obviously you talk about. You know, not taking too much defense into play, but become uh, a premier defender uh, in the outfielders for being, you know, primarily first base coming up. But yeah, he, he ranks, you know, that's kind of the inconsistencies, but behind the Bregman, the doors and stories. And then you get into Ramirez and Arenado. Uh, Ramirez sort of held 2019 against them because uh, he did struggle. Um, and then Arenado, a bit of a Coors effect and we're not it, he's just hard to project in St. Louis but that defense is just so elite that um, that really does boost him up more though more so than say a guy uh, who isn't easily the best defender uh, at third base mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's yeah Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado really really do put up very similar numbers there at Coors Field um, in, we have we have them in the same tier. You could argue that we should have them back to back, or an Arenado ahead of Story, or you know, however you want to to shake it out there. But um, yeah, I like Trevor Story just kind of offers a little bit more in some ways, like not not the way that Arenado's defense does, but Trevor Story also steals tons of bases and. Um, it, it, honestly, like it, in the last three-year sample it has been pretty neck and neck and you'd probably go Arenado but if you look just at like more recent samples um you'd probably have a story ahead of Arenado just right now and that's really what we we need to look at um so yeah is it perfect probably not but this was like we said probably the toughest tier that we had uh and yeah we are almost out of the top 20 here. Number 18, another pitcher on an island, Max Scherzer, is at number yeah. 18. Can't really have him any lower than this. Um, he, probably the best pitcher of, like, 2015 to 2020. And he's still real good, even though he's kind of older, has shown some signs of not even decline, just, like, maybe health concern or fatigue or, or whatever it may be but you give him the benefit of the doubt after a, a weird shortened season um and it wasn't bad either he's still striking out like as many batters as he ever has um it, it's just kind of uh just kind of a weird thing he's definitely not yeah. what he was which is why he's not like the number t- three or four starting pitcher still um but still really really good i mean when you take a take a look at um 
Scherzer this past year in a year that he only had 12 starts, uh, whereas last year, 27, the years before, uh, throughout his entire career, he never got below 30 other than his rookie year. It was his first year with a, a above, if you're a baseball traditionalist, above three ERA since uh, 2014. And that was a 315 this year, a 374. I mean, this, as Uwe said, his track record, his the fact that from 2016 to 2019, he didn't finish lower than third in the Cy Young voting. Um, you can't not put him uh, any any lower. Yeah, and again, the reason is showing some signs of regression. Like, definitely has been more hittable lately than than he has been in the past. But still, just the his strikeout rate is, sh- is showing that his stuff still definitely plays as what the number four pitcher on on our rankings. So. Yeah, and if if we had the full season, we who knows, he might have been even higher. I mean, uh, like he he like he he did show regression, but like I said, twelve starts for whereas he normally pitches a lot more. I mean, you could factor in the age for regression, but this this guy could have very well in one hundred sixty two games been our number three, been our number three, um, starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, all right, we're gonna go right past the number twenty spot, and after we after we get through this tier, after we get through the twenty, we will go through players faster. Uh, we just wanted to spend more time on the top players and in the the details that that we looked at in in deciding these ones, but uh, we can't do that for a hundred players. If anybody's paying attention to how long this is taking us, um, it will go faster. So. The next tier that we have, George Springer, Xander Bogarts, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, DJ LeMayhew. There's some sub-tiers in here. Like, I, I see Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge as very similar players in terms of how they how they produce for their teams. Um, and, yeah. But I think George Springer at the top of that is fitting. Might be the second best leadoff hitter in the game to uh to Ronald Acuña at this point. Well, I guess Betts is a leadoff hitter too. So third best. Um and Tatis. Yeah, Tatis it's leadoff too. Okay, never mind. But like really <laughs> really good leadoff hitter. Like puts puts up great power numbers for the spot that he plays in. Plays center field like plays a tough position, not the greatest defender, but uh but yeah, like his offensive production, if anything, is kind of underrated. Kind of, you know, it's the, it's kind of that Astros effect. And a lot of Astros last year in twenty twenty had really down seasons in that stretch. George Springer, you know, combining um, twenty nineteen twenty twenty together was what we did a lot. Um, still produced very well over that span, even despite having a down twenty twenty. Um, so I think he he goes atop that list pretty fittingly. Uh, Xander Bogarts, super low-key player. Uh, old reliable. He is another one of those old reliable players. Um, and, yeah, plays shortstop quite well for the Red Sox, even, even though the Red Sox have had some interesting seasons. Um, manages to produce at a very high level. 
Um, and yeah, like very similar numbers to Springer. I, I think Springer just has, um, like at his peak, the higher, like the higher level of production, uh, really. And part of that is just discounting how bad his 2020 was. Um, but again, that's, that's part of what we look at is like where, where they're at when they're producing at their peak value and how likely they are to continue that. George Springer with a new team too, um, in the AL, uh, with Toronto now. So, uh, interesting player to watch for sure. Um, Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, both of them tremendous on-base players with really, really good power. And, you know, Bryce Harper knocked great defense. Aaron Judge, slightly better, I believe. But, uh, Rudy, if you want to just weigh in on Harper versus Judge here. Uh, Matt, can you still hear me? Or yeah, we still... can. Yes. You're back. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, I mean, I'm biased, obviously, and I, we tried to keep that separated from this conversation as much as possible. But I think kind of have to so i think that that made me want to lean towards judge originally but i think we were awarded harper's kind of consistency and health and at the end of the day like yeah that's a tiebreaker i think that you have to take into account for guys who are similar in the most direct comparable ways but i i think they're pretty neck and neck obviously if judge has another full healthy season he probably slides higher up this list again Mm-hmm, definitely and he's he's one where the health is the biggest um negative for him and just you know not really ever expecting him to play more than like 120 games in a season um just because you know he's gonna miss time with with something or another uh, when you're a freak athlete like that it's not all that surprising so yeah um I guess we had DJ LeMahieu in this tier two, although he kind of stands on his own there. Um, we even talked like LeMahieu versus Judge. I think a lot of that is just recency um, bias from his MVP caliber campaign. Didn't win the MVP in 2020, but certainly was there. Has been a great leadoff hitter for the Yankees. Um, but also just like production-wise, doesn't quite match up to guys like Judge and Harper, even though, again, like, the the volume of work is so high for a guy like LeMahieu hitting where he does for the Yankees. Um, and he's he's a very different type of hitter, like, like lower on base guy than, than both Harper and Judge, but he, like, he'll always hit high batting average. That's even away from Coors Field. So really unique player uh, in that respect. All right, I'm going to read more tiers and then throw it to the different. I'm just going to keep rotating between you guys. So Corey Seager, Trey Turner are the, the next two shortstops in a, in a mini tier there. Ray, uh, tell me about, uh, yours and mine favorite shortstops for, yeah. I mean, for I, I know biased reasons. have Trey Turner number one, um, maybe next year. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, I mean, Corey Seager, Trey Turner, we talked about two very similar players. Um, just they they both straight rake um Corey Seager a very good 2019 without the power coming off of major injury and you know when you talk about health people sometimes we're back Corey Seager he always seems to be 
he always has an injury or two during a year, but he's coming off major surgery after 2018. So we talked about the differing kind of health um, uh, criteria of like, is a guy more of a nagging injury type guy or is he out for a long time because he had something major fixed and he's okay now. And Seager is that latter category. But uh, Seager, you know, with his 2020, his playoffs and what he's spring training, certainly is a candidate to move up this list. And I'm sure if Trey Turner becomes, uh, finally becomes an MVP as Uwe has predicted, um, he will also <laughs> move up this list. And also right in front of him, uh, we haven't mentioned at 24, JT Real Muto, uh, clearing above the best catcher um, in the league and uh, a, you know, an elite hitter in terms of, you know, not besides his position, but uh, so right above them, kind of splitting the uh, those two tiers that we just talked about. Thanks for going and patched up that hole that I that I left there in our in our list. JT Romuto, yeah, the the number one catcher, uh, far and away the best, and I think there's value in that when you talk about replacement level. Like nobody's close in terms of replacing him, so that's why he's so high. He's above. Uh, some really good shortstops. Um, and then we move to the next mini tier of starting pitchers here. We go Trevor Bauer, you Darvish, two of the best pitchers from this, uh, this 2020 shortened season, both finishing like ahead of Jacob deGrom really in, in that stretch. Uh, but they're both super inconsistent over the spans of their careers have been around a while, but both of them seem to at least as of recently, shown that they've they've fat they've figured something out and they've turned it around and they've always had the the stuff to to indicate that they are capable of of what they were doing this past year and yeah, 2020 is not as fluky as some people might say it is it yeah, is certainly no. outlier it is but, a real uh, it is a real 60 game sample no matter what you say yeah and each of them in the past have had stretches like this before as well so you know they've shown brilliance yeah they've shown brilliance and it's it's not a fluke they might be inconsistent but it's not a fluke i think um what some people probably haven't been following along is like the changes that they've made aren't just natural adjustments that you you would assume obviously the league's going to come back with their own adjustments and the different scouting reports for them but um the reason they're 10 spots lower than a different pitcher then then our next highest pitcher is because of their inconsistencies in the past um and but at the same time their stuff plays and they they seem to have figured out whatever had caused them to go down um at, down a different path at any point of their career and their stuff plays mm-hmm. yeah we're, we're definitely down at the point in the list now where every player will have some kind of knock on them for some lapse in in production or, or whatever other reasons it may be um you know the top end it's so hard because they're all they're all pretty pretty good and don't really have a lot of holes in their game but but now there's there's things to pick apart a little bit more um all right another small tier a couple third basemen manny machado matt chapman pretty different types of players um but both pretty good defenders matt chapman um has the edge defensively, but Manny Machado um, definitely proved the edge offensively in this past season. Um, 
And I think we just determined that that matters more. Like, Matt Chapman is much more favored by wins above replacement because of his defense and definitely passes the eye test. But, again, like, Machado with the bat has... Uh, he's had some inconsistencies, too. But, you know, as of recently, has indicated that he is definitely a an MVP-capable bat, and Chapman hasn't really yet. You could also argue the fact that Machado's done this for longer. Even that, at, too. Even Chapman's best season, Machado's ha- had multiple seasons of that, and he just recently went through maybe a season of where people thought he wasn't as good or deserving of this contract. And he's t- going into his, what, age 28 year? Uh, I, I think... While it you these two are on the same tier, it it's pretty obvious why Machado's ahead of Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next tier is a tier of absolute sluggers. Here we got Nelson Cruz, Pete Alonso, Jose Abreu, Marcelo Zuna. Now all of them have had down periods, except Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz consistently just destroys the ball, is putting up offensive numbers that like consistently it goes like Mike Trout and then Nelson Cruz is always like in top five, like in that same caliber, no matter who else is, is doing it. Uh, he's a DH doesn't play a position, but even then like produces enough war offensively that like, it doesn't matter. He, he does his job better than anybody. And his job is just to hit. So, um, you could argue that he could be higher even just because of the the caliber of his bat. Like he's a better hitter than a lot of players we've already talked about. Um, and then we go Pete Alonso, Jose Abreu, Marcelo Zuna. All of them have had stretches of brilliance. Some of them and, and also holes. Um, but yeah, all have huge, huge power potential. Uh, and I think that's about all that needs to be said about them. We move into another super difficult tier. It is a long pitcher tier, starting pitcher here, um, where, again, so hard to compare them against position players, but they are all pretty established as aces and all have different shortcomings, but really elite all across the board. So 35, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Noah, Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, Tyler Glasnow, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Zach Gallen, Blake Snell. That's all the way to 43. That is a big tier, a lot of names. Um, I don't even know how to approach this, man. Uh, let's. Uh, we, this was really tough to grade. To... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say each of you pick one of these pitchers to like talk about and why they are an ace and maybe a reason why they they come up shorter than some of the other pitchers ahead on this list um so rudy share share something like pick any of these pitchers and just share like <laughs> anything about them really <laughs> they're all so similar um yeah i cut out a little bit before you said that so i'm sorry if i missed any um reference that i should be picking up on in regards to them but i know this was probably after that middle infield tier, something we debated maybe some of the most mm-hmm. um, throughout our rankings. I think um, 
I, I think it's just it's just kind of a strange amalgamation of like how do you rank starting pitchers, um, pitchers in general, in this larger context? Because I think obviously like no one would tell you that Zach Gallen and Aaron Noah are completely equivalent, um, which these rankings reflect that Gallen is seven rankings below. But my point is that it's kind of I think we came to the conclusion that this like continuum was still the best way of reflecting this progression as we've gone down this list of these pitchers and all these guys are kind of that in that ace tier where they can they're the ace of their rotations to an extent I mean Snell maybe that's arguable of course um but they're not automatic Cy Young contenders I think is maybe maybe I, I know there can be some exceptions here and there but I think uh there was a lot of debate once again here, and I think a lot of these guys, uh, Glasnow, Castillo, Gray, Gallon, Snell, Flaherty, a lot of it comes down to which stats you're really coming down to and which, uh, what stuff you value the most. A lot of minutia at the end of the day, and I think that's the joy of this whole list in the first place is just getting deep and dirty in that nuance and just deciding subjectively what matters and what doesn't. I, I agree, Rudy. I think one, another thing you have to look at when you're discussing all these guys is they're all, like you said, great. They all probably are the aces or the number two of their staff on a good staff. I do think, however, each of these comes down to, well, you've been good recently. Let's see it longer. Um, I think Sonny Gray's turned around since he's gone back to the Reds. Let's see that longer for, for us to justify moving him up or glass. Now I don't think people realize he's had, even though he's gotten popular and his fame and his, everything has increased over the last year, especially with the race going to world series, he's been pretty inconsistent um, with Nola. He had a really great year, then kind of a meh. So how do we see that with Walker Bueller? It's like, well, we know you're the ace. We know, we know you're, um, you're kind of, you're, getting ready to take the mantle from Kershaw, but let's see it a little bit longer. I think that at least that's my feeling with a bunch of these guys with Blake Snell, how I feel is I want to see him out of the Rays, uh, how he goes out of the Rays system. Um, how's he pitching? Not only we, people like to mention like the five innings, but he, a couple years ago, he was Cy Young, incredible, then was inconsistent the next year. And he's been a good pitcher overall. Um, but yeah, it's like you've been good, but let's see, let's see you do that again. That, I think that's where what justifies these guys over our next, our higher tier of pitchers. Yeah, all, all have huge potential. It is a quality over quantity type of argument to have Tyler Glasnow and Blake Snell, and we network didn't have either of them in the top eighty by comparison, because they're like, oh, they didn't pitch enough. But Glasnow and Snell are elite in terms of what they're able to do when they take the mound. So that's why they're there. Uh, same with the Reds guys, you know, Castillo and Gray. Um, I would say the Giolito, Nola, Gallon, those three are probably the most consistent, um, but maybe not as, like, uh, dazzling pitchers. Giolito is pretty dazzling. He leads He leads the pack here, though. Uh, and I think, like, Bueller and Glass now from this group especially um, – Maybe, maybe Flaherty, 
the, those two though have huge huge potential to just be like the best pitcher in the game at any point they just don't pitch with I, enough volume i just don't think any of their um any of these guys have established their performance as like this is the type of guy they are um they they, ha- they haven't put an actual season together at least in the case of walker bueller because yeah you see his stuff in the playoffs and that is an elite pitcher as you said it would be arguably can be the best pitcher in the game if he puts a season together which he hasn't yeah. done so far that's why i say and, for him and glass yeah. now like those two yeah, just him and glass now yeah freaks of nature in terms of what they can do uh with with the pitches they throw um so yeah really good tier of pitchers and again we, we we clump them all because it just seems weird the next best hitter here we have is michael conforto where are you gonna stick michael conforto in the middle of this bunch like oh yeah i think michael conforto's better than uh zach gallon but not better than sunny gray like how can you like that's that's just irrational to to think we, to come yeah, up with th- an explanation this is, for that. this is this tier is where we kind of sort of showcase how we value starting pitchers in general because this is sort of the a bulk of the tier of like top end starting pitchers, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like you have your Degroms and uh, Coles, Scherzer's up there, Bieber up there. But then this is where most of the good starting pitching lies, and by clumping it all together, kind of shows how we value uh, that kind of starting pitching. All right, yeah, definitely. Um, we are going to let's sp- kind of speed run the the rest of this list, if that's okay with you. Um, speed run. I will. I will just throw random player um i will throw each of you like a random player as we like move through the tiers just like give your thoughts on specifically Uh, i think we've given a good overview of like the general sense of how we rank the players so i'm going to ask specifically about certain players that we come across here so 44 moving back into position player tier michael conforto luke voigt jordan alvarez Catel Marte. Rafael Devers, Jeff McNeil, Anthony Rizzo, Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Yastrzemski. That's a long tier. Uh, I'm going to ask Rudy first about your boy, Luke Voigt. Uh, the only first, yes. he, he's he's above the other first baseman in this list just because of yes. how good he's been r- recently. Like Goldschmidt and Rizzo have been doing it for so long, but Voigt has been... Um, pretty clearly better offensively in the last two seasons um thoughts on on big baby void oh i think rudy cut out good timing i'm back oh you're back you're back sorry you're you're good talking about luke void i apologize no you're good um and what separates him here yeah just like what like why is he here I think uh, you you kind of said it. It seems like, um, but his ceiling I feel like is just way higher than Rizzo or Goldschmidt at this point. Um, I mean, definitely possible those guys have better seasons, but I mean, think I think Voigt is uh, on the cusp of like he. I think if he had an Alonzo or a Brayu type season, like I wouldn't bet on it. Like it wouldn't be impossible. Like, I think it's he's like improved so much every year it feels like since he's gone to the Yankees like I feel like he's a guy where you can see him it's not improbable it's not unimaginable that he takes another leap whereas Goldschmidt and Rizzo I don't really see them having another one of those seasons 
at this point in their careers. I think compared to like a Jordan Alvarez, that might just come down to well, one plays the field, and maybe Alvarez is the Alvarez is probably a be, is a better like pure hitter, but um, you know Voigt gives you that extra. I mean, he does play de- some level of defense, which I think at the end of the day, a lot of this is just very close people being separated by one spot or two and something like that, I think is a bonus that we, that we count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of it's about the, the huge potential and Voigt's done it more recently. Um, can I just talk about Jordan Alvarez for a moment? Has terrible knees, cannot play defense, which is a bummer because he's not old, but also in his career has just hit at Mike Trout levels of production in about nine in like a 90 game sample 400 plate appearances in his career more or less a little bit less um but just unreal um production and you know the i definitely passes the eye test he hits the ball as hard as anybody and has came up with the plate discipline um that like guys like bregman and trout and, and other like renowned guys like that have. So uh, Joran Alvarez might have to make his way up the list. He just hasn't played enough. Um, let's ask uh, Farbode. Rafael Devers had an incredible 2019 and a slightly less incredible past year, but um, just tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, I, I think this is kind of also where the ceiling comes in. I don't think he did, had a terrible past year. He, it was it was definitely like a slump if you compare it to the incredible year he had in 2019. I mean, he, he rakes uh, and he's 23. I think at this point he's born to himself uh, this spot. I don't know what ranked third baseman we put him at at this point. But um, with the production, the ceiling that he can be at, um, this is a pretty fair tier to put him in. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray, Mike Yastrzemski is in this tier with a lot of these other names. He has been sneaky good. How? Yeah. I mean, sneaky good is, I took the words right out of my mouth. Um, just consistent, uh, really good 2019, really good 2020, um, plays pretty good defense. So he says pass the eye test. Um, he's one, he's one of those guys just kind of quietly up there and has has shown it. And I, I think maybe why he's at the bottom of this tier is, is the age is that he's a little older and like we, you know, but he's shown to be very, very good in this short span of time and doesn't show signs of slowing down any, anytime soon right now. Yeah. Man, he's got a 535 slugging percentage as a lefty <laughs> hidden in 18 D park. Like I don't get it. People don't do that there especially lefties. It's, it's weird. It's great, though. Um, all right, we're going into the old pitcher tier. Clayton Kershaw, Hyunjin Ryu, Zach Greinke, Steven Strasburg, Charlie Morton, and then Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff's not old, but he's in this tier um, just behind these other guys. Um, it's amazing to think Steven Strasburg is old. He Same is pretty Kirk. old. I mean, Kershaw's going into his 33 season. Yeah. These guys, these guys definitely aren't what they were before but they just keep getting it done it's just scary because they're like getting older and some of them have like lapses in either health or performance that are a little concerning and definitely 
uh, at least with like Kershaw, Ryu, and Granky, the strikeout rank, the strikeout rate has dipped significantly. So it's like less. They do it less convincingly. Um, but seriously, just get the job done year after year with quality starts and and low ERAs and extremely low WHIP. Um, and then of course Strasburg, Morton, um, in particular, have that like playoff pedigree as well. And uh, Brandon Woodruff is really good too. I just can't quite put him ahead of the of the just get it done pitcher tier, um, even though Brandon Woodruff probably has the most electric stuff left of of that tier. But uh, yeah, I like some of these guys. I can't even explain how they they get it done. It's just they're just seasoned seasoned vets at this point. Um, well seasoned. Very well seasoned. Uh, and I think we're just going to move right past it because there's not much more to say. They're kind of, they, they're they each an enigma in their own way. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to yeah, do. I think it's just yeah, worth sorry. mentioning like Woodruff because he's not really like any of those guys. It's just because it's he hasn't pitched enough at a high level. I think we all thought to put him in the next tier, the higher tier of like more in their prime starters. Yeah, I would say so too. Like, definitely has the potential, but hasn't shown it nearly as much as any of the guys in that upper pitcher tier. Um, all right, more position players: Bo Bichette, Marcus Semyon, Max Muncy, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, Glaber Torres, Matt Olson, Brandon Lau. Holy infielders, man! Like, <laughs> what? There's there's so many players here. I'm gonna just ask. Um, Rudy, Marcus Simeon finished third in AL MVP voting last year, did not impress this past year, and now is going to be playing a new position with a new team this year. Um, do you think he's like, he's got it? He's, he's a tough one to rank for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember when we made this list, like no one even mentioned him. And I was just like, I guess everyone is satisfied, so I didn't even bring it up as a question, potentially. Um, I think it's one of the hardest ones to rank because you have one awesome season, and but it's hard not to have the feeling like, well, the evidence on either side seems to point that that was a fluke to some extent. But I also, I think you, you're equally high with me at Uwe, at least. It seems like the Toronto situation could be great for him. So I, I think it's kind of also that betting high on this season being a, a bounce back season of production. Yeah, definitely. And like the gains he made in his MVP season, especially in terms of plate discipline seemed very real. Um, maybe they, they weren't as much just based on what happened this season. But again, it was such a weird fluky season. We're getting into the tier of, pl- of, uh, of players now where a lot of the guys more or less just get a 2020 pass for weird circumstances because we know what kind of yeah. potential they have um, in a, in a regular the, season. This is, this is a guy that we really use our eye test where it's not only offensively, but like since he's gotten the A's, he's improved his game throughout. And I mean, what you said about his gains in his MVP season um, and what Rudy said about how this Toronto situation is going to be good for him. I, I, I think this is a good spot. I also think um, uh, just for us, He's, he's going to play second base, not shortstop. So we have to fix that on the list. Yeah. 
Um, he's <laughs> we've only ever seen him play shortstop though. Uh, okay, Ray, the Astros infielders are still really good. Um, I hate to tell you, uh, I know they had down twenty twenties, but you can't have them any lower than this. Um, you give the Dodger fan two Astros infielders. Do you understand why we had to do it, Ray? Begrudgingly, yes. Um, yeah, Carlos Correa. Um, he, I, yeah, definitively above Altuve. Uh, still a much better defender. Altuve, with the uh, lower body injuries that he's had, uh, just in general, a diminished defender. Um, I, as much as I like to clown on him, I don't know how much the yips in the playoffs will affect him going forward. But just <laughs> in terms of actual defender diminished, and in, in general as a as a, a offensive playmaker diminished, but um, still has. A, uh, serviceable bat, serviceable bat, more than serviceable bat, and uh, um, and then yeah, Correa is definitely uh, good too. So you know, right there, but Correa definitely uh, above Altuve. Yeah, a lot of this, these players are just like expectations versus like where they are now. Like Correa and Altuve, well, Altuve was an MVP. Correa was expected to be an MVP caliber player. They haven't really been, but they've still been really good. So they, they have to be here. That's. That's kind of just where they are. Um, another guy who just has to be here is Brandon Lau, who I don't like it because he strikes out above 30% of the time and is incredibly streaky, but he is one where the body of work really shows, like, okay, yeah, overall, just a really productive hitter. He's versatile. He plays multiple positions. He plays second base and outfield. Um, he's just streaky, and I, I don't like streaky, but... You, you like I can't comfortably put him any lower than this. Uh, you but can kind of say the same about Grandall. Where we, yeah, where we talk about like Lau and Grandall were actually very easy comp to make, which is I think is why they're right next to each other, because we this is where we talk about ceilings and that they are both very like you know top of the game hitters when they are on, but those streaks you know they're streaks they're not consistent, so uh, that's why they're down in this tier, but. The reason why they're here, um, even if the overall numbers might not look too spectacular, is because uh, those streaks are very, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the overall body of work uh, levels out for these guys. Um, we have a relief pitcher on our list. Is that a mistake? No, I, I think it's I think it's correct. <laughs> Liam Hendricks uh, is pretty established as one of the best relief pitchers in the game. Uh, they're so volatile as a position, and they produce or they, they produce at a much lower volume than starting pitchers. It's hard to put them in this list, but Liam Hendricks is incredible, uh, has like the highest strikeout rate for anybody of his innings threshold, and um, is also going to be playing with a new team. Uh, so, yeah, I he actually doesn't have the highest strikeout rate for anybody of his innings threshold. Um, if you include... Well, one of them is Chris Sale, who we don't have on this list. One of them is Josh Hader, who is on this list going back to 2019, but also um, has had other like uh, shortcomings that we've seen, and we'll talk about that later. Um, and the other one is Garrett Cole. So, and then Liam Hendricks. So <laughs> Liam Hendricks, really, really effective and has to be there. Like, pitches a lot, too. 110 innings pitched in the last two seasons. Uh, which is, I believe, the most of any relief pitcher. Uh, or at least closer, like traditional closer. So, yeah, 
that's what we have at a relief pitcher spot. Um, I'm just going to say more names. I, I do feel bad. We really kind of have to rush through this list, but also we're getting towards the bottom of the list. And if I'm being honest, we kind of rushed through the ranking at this point. So <laughs> the, the explanations will fit the, uh, the amount of time we spent actually ranking these players. Um, I hope they're still better than MLB Networks. I know they're better than MLB Networks. Michael Brantley, Starling Marte, Ozzie Albies, Charlie Blackman, J.D. Martinez, Chris Bryant, Joey Gallo. That takes us to number 75 on the list. I We just need to go faster. Um, there are interesting players all throughout here, ones who had extremely bad 2020 seasons, like Chris Bryant and J.D. Martinez at the back end. And, and Gallo. And Gallo, yeah, three in a row there. Um, that's kind of their own tier. Um, and then just some, like, good players who aren't like lighting anything up really much anymore like michael brantley um still really good gets on base a lot maybe not as much power as before but also just like really consistently a good hitter starling my the last two seasons has actually kind of stepped his game up since his pittsburgh days and has really shown he's a a, a solid offensive player and uh like offers a lot of stolen bases and uh plays pretty good outfield defense and, and it's just a good all-around player. It's kind of same with Ozzy Albies. Like guy just hits a lot and plays good defense and um not anything that's going to stack up to the potential of the guys ahead of him, but just consistent all around. Um far bode be prepared to talk about some starting pitchers in this next tier oh, here. God. Lance Lynn, Max Freed, Kenta Maeda, Patrick Corbin. That's a tier of four right there. One of the smaller tiers that we have in this section. Um, I think Lance Lynn is the most baffling pitcher that I've ever seen. He's fascinating. <laughs> he, He's, I think, um, I've mentioned this on multiple podcasts at this point, but he, this past season he set the record for most games throughout, like with 100 pitches. He's just a workhorse. Um, and he throws only fastballs. What was the percentage you found? It's, it's it's been lower. It's been, it was, it was like 80% at the height of it. And then last, like this past year and and last year, it's, it's gone all the way down to like below 70, just below 70%, which is still a ton of fastballs. I, I think what people, um, when, when they hear of Lance Lynn or Freed or Maeda and even Corbin, they're like, how are these guys 76 through 79 on the top 100? But I think this goes back to what Ray said of this is overall where we deem, where we value certain tiers of pitchers. And each of these guys, I mean, Maeda is probably the Twins' ace at this point. Um, and he's, he, he's not going to be anything flashy, but he'll get the job done. Um Freed has a ton of potential. I, I think he's a ceiling guy. I think he's a guy that you could easy, see next year or two years from now easily 20 spots ahead of where he is right now. Um, but just want to see more. Lance Lynn, like we said, he's baffling. Um, and Patrick Corbin, uh, aside from, from maybe one year, he's always been a very overall solid pitcher. He's never been this ace-level He's going to be in the side on conversation every year. But he's also never been bad. 
Um, so I he, I think all this is a very fitting tier for all of these people. Yeah, I'm gonna dub this one the high floor tier. Um, just yes. like because we saw kind of saw it with Corbin this past year had pretty diminished stuff for whatever reason and still put up decent numbers. Like that's that's what a high floor type of pitcher does. Kenta Maeda saw the upside, but also has a really high floor. It's just really good year after year with the Dodgers too. You in could a different also role. say Max Freed. You could also say Freed is uh, has a high ceiling. High like, ceiling, you know, kind of, but honestly, more of a high floor guy. Like, just has an amazing ground yeah, ball rate. Absolutely doesn't necessarily have like great strikeout stuff, but is young, and uh, like he he's so effective that you never expect him to just like to get shelled at any point. But also, like, yeah, none of these guys have Beautiful have Cy Young uh, stuff necessarily. Um, but they might end up in the Cy Young conversation. They could, yeah. They they have high floors and definitely even more beyond that. Uh, moving on, uh, Josh Donaldson, Eugenio Suarez, John Carlos Stanton. A few hitters here. I heard Suarez might be trying to shortstop for the Reds. Huh? That's weird. <laughs> um, Josh Donaldson and Stanton in the past, just tremendous hitters, MVP caliber production from either of them. Um, but are very yeah, these different guys are here because of injury. Yeah, yeah this is the very different now. If, if when they're on the field, they could be they would have been rated higher if they're if they were on the field more high more like more often. Yeah, and even like when they're on the field now, it's not quite the same. Like Stanton, pretty much full time DHs now. Uh, Donaldson should be if he if he doesn't like already like their their bodies have like you well, he can plays kind on the same team as Nelson Cruz so he can't oh he can't that's true but he, you kind of see the toll that it takes on like the rest of their game almost and just like the consistency of injuries is rough on them uh and Suarez has huge power potential but also huge holes in his game strikes out a ton um but he's still there like with these other sluggers right in the middle of them Denelson Lamette on an island of his own because he has legitimate health concerns at this point not super young but also over the last season season and a half really has proven yeah this this is legitimately good stuff best slider in the game um and there was a hundred and can locate it it's it's, it's mostly a question of health with him and he just hasn't had the body of work to really back up much else but the eye test definitely passed for him Nick Castellanos, Eloy Jimenez, Dominic Smith, Mark Canna. What? Where are we? What? Who? How did they get in here? What? What are they doing here? Um, Nick Castellanos and Eloy Jimenez. You know that that those kind of make sense. What are Dominic Smith and Mark Canna doing here? Uh, Rudy, did do you, did you know about this? No, I wasn't told. Oh, um, Farbode. <laughs> do do you know? <laughs> did you know? Did anybody know about this? How did they get here? Uh, I think I was uh, not Dominic Smith was 86 until just now. <laughs> Mark, Mark Cannon, we definitely um, listened to your extensive advocacy of how he's a very underrated MLB player who's perfect. Uh, maybe not eye popping peripherals mask very um, a very extensive repertoire of like great. Uh, more advanced stats so to say but i mean dominic smith he can't seem prepared for he definitely has spectacular 2020 but 
I didn't realize he was 86, honestly. Yeah, well, he had a he good 2019 the last too. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he he's been raking. So I the um I think that's a fair spot. I think Mark Canna kind of suffers from the A's, uh, even though they're low key exciting. People just don't want to pay attention to them until they get into that exciting phase. Um, I, he kind of suffers from being on the A's. He's been very solid. This is a tier of uh, really good hitting outfielders who can't play defense in Mark Hanna. Uh Yeah, that is true. The defense is struggling here. Uh, yeah, Nick Castellanos always seems like a guy who's a better hitter than he actually produces, and I look at the numbers like, he didn't do all that much. But he looks like he should be J.D. Martinez, like prime J.D. Martinez when you see him hit. So I think the eye test bumps Castellanos up there a little bit too. Um, Shohei Otani, tier of his own. Ha-ha. <laughs> Um, he might be number one next year. What do you say to that? Yeah, I I mean, I don't think he'll be number one, but um, I was going to ask this question at the end of this, but I think he is probably in the, like out of the bottom 50, most likely to rise up to the top 50, maybe like top 25, um, given that he's able to recover offensively, which so far I'm not going to, I'm going to take spring training for, with a grain of salt, but so far it seems like he's figured out his issues hitting-wise, and then hopefully uh, pitching he uh, he's able to be pretty solid at too. Yeah. I I think if he, if he pitches, like let's say best-case scenario on both sides, say he's like Lucas Giolito on the mound, and I don't know, like who's a good bat comparison? Like Manny Machado with the bat, uh yeah he's he's number one for sure he's i'm very excited (laughs) to see how this how this season goes goes out for him who wouldn't be uh we have josh Hader, the other relief pitcher he's hiding uh well there's actually one more later on but he is probably before this year the best relief pitcher in all of baseball um he pitches an incredible volume for a reliever um and has obviously really good stuff too. The stuff for some reason showed to be a lot more hittable than ever before. And even though like, I know you kind of have to give him the benefit, the benefit of the doubt after a season like this, it's still a little bit weird. Like he's just getting hit harder. Um, yeah. Even though his strikeout rate is still insane, but it's like three points higher than anybody else. Yeah. But the contact that he does give up is really hard and goes really far a lot of the time. So that's why he, you know, he can look like the Josh Hader of, you know, 2018 and 2019. But then he has his issues at times uh, just giving up runs. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is just due to his uh, his command, at least in 2020. I think you give him – he's another case of you give him a, a longer season. I don't think yeah. he's regressed. You give – you give him a longer we, season. We, we saw we saw little nineteen total. We saw little flashes in twenty nineteen of of not twenty eight. Twenty eighteen was peak Josh Hader, but uh, still yeah, absolutely swing and miss stuff. He's also a guy like uh, Shelby Miller who throws like when he's on his fastball is. You could say Josh Hader's fastball is the best fastball in the game when he's on. Um, he, his walk rate increased from what. 2.4 to 4.7 just between 2019 and 2020 
he pitched 75 innings in 2019, 19 innings in 2020. I think while you could argue that this would have continued and he would have just continued at this high three ZRA or maybe even into the fours, I think you could easy, easily argue that you give him the rest, the next 50, 60 innings, and it would have come back down to at least a level that we're kind of used to seeing that. Yeah, he might he might end up just being higher than we have him. We'll, we'll see. Um, what the heck did you say Shelby? Did I hear Shelby Miller? Yeah, wait. Yeah, not uh, Shelby I, Miller. Lance Lynn. My bad, my bad, my bad. I don't know why <laughs> Shelby I, missed, Miller. I missed those two guys. Oh, my I, God. I, <laughs> All right. I saw, I, saw, I saw Shelby Miller's name pop up on my computer screen right now. Why? Okay, him. it doesn't matter. The okay. fatigue is setting in. I'm blaming Wait, the fatigue. Wait, is there breaking Shelby Miller news? Like, why did that just happen? I have no idea. We don't have time for breaking Shelby Miller news. We have <laughs> 10 more players. We need to get through them. Uh, Yoan Moncada, Tim Anderson, Gio Urshela, Javier Baez. I'm going to call this the the eye test tier because this whole tier, uh, like, good, good production as well, but they're all just, like, really good athletes, play good defense, and change the game a lot more than maybe their stats would indicate, but aren't like spectacular with the bat either compared to some of these other guys. Um, Yohan Moncada, top prospect from a few years back, and is like, I don't know. He yeah. Maybe that's another I, expectation. I mean, thing. When we were putting this list together and thinking of guys who weren't on it, or like maybe comparing, I think we were comparing the list to MLB Networks, and we're like, why is Yo Moncada on there? Like we look at those numbers, like, oh no, he's actually that good. <laughs> yeah, but he seems, un- like he seems like a disappointment almost because you expected him to be an MVP caliber yeah. player. It's another one of those things. Um, he strikes out so much. He strikes out a lot too. A lot of these guys definitely have their faults. Javier Baez especially looked like he fell off a cliff, but you got to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt. And he's also just kind of a magician out there. Like he still does that. Uh, we have two catchers. Yeah, for context, we, we ranked you on Makata exactly the same as MLB Network did. Hey, there we go. We MLB Network did one right. Uh, we have two catchers in our 90s, and that is it for catchers. We had four on our list total. Uh, come on, catchers. Get better. Will Smith of the Dodgers has emerged as one of the better hitting catchers in all of baseball, uh, but also not the best defender. Salvador Perez, on the other hand, has been one of the best defensive catchers for years, had a missed a ton of time due to a, due an injury, and he came back and started raking uh, in twenty twenty. So I don't know. He he he's there. He yeah. could be higher, really. Uh, but he he's he, he pretty could, fresh. He off I think of, we want well because twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen were two just fluke injuries. Yeah, um, that out of those that out of most of those seasons. So yeah, but I I'm excited for revitalize Salvador Perez in a full season. Yeah, me too. Uh, Kyle Hendricks on an island because nobody pitches like him, strikes out like seven batters per nine innings, um, but also just kind of gets the job done too. Like a low three, low three ZRA. He's not perfect. He's not like Hyunjin Ryu and Zach Ranke that are posting ridiculous numbers without striking people out, but still quite effective. So he needs to be here somewhere there's similar pitchers to him but he has kind of done it his way reliably for the longest uh so that's why he's there 
Justin Turner, Trey Mancini, kind of a mini tier there as well. Um, Justin Turner, still pretty darn effective. He's he's a near 400 on base player still. A lot less power than he used to have. But, you know, he's got he's got some postseason pedigree to him as well. Um, he's He's got... He still he still got it. He's not what he used to be, but he still got it. Trey Mancini should not be knocked for not having played this last season. I don't think anybody is knocking him. I think people just kind of forgot about him. Um, but again, also 2019 was really his only really good year. Um, so I would like to see him do that again uh, before really being able to move him up the list, uh, even ahead of the, the eye test guys that play reliably great defense and offer a lot more um mancini is all from the bat and hopefully he can do it corbin burns who okay i don't think he's on a lot of top 100 lists but he needs to be here even though in 2019 had a stretch where he was absolutely awful but more recently than that has made adjustments and just been absolutely electric um strikes out everybody and just especially in the shortened season didn't give up any runs basically um that's just kind of how he did it like really solved a lot of the the control issues that he had um and when you're striking out 13 batters per nine innings you have to be considered a top 100 player uh even though he he had some like really really awful stretches over the past couple of years too. Yeah, he, he he would be higher maybe in that um maybe the, the Lynn Freed Maeda tier. Um but as you said that awful 2019 stretch. Yeah, um, he showed full meltdown yeah. capabilities. So Yeah, he's on he's on this list but there are a lot more things. Uh not ne- like we've seen the floor basically a lot yeah. lower than as you said the high floor guys above. Yep. And our number 100 player might seem like he has meltdowns himself, but really it's only it's only once a it's year. O- it's only it's only one it's only one really inconvenient time per year. Uh, the rest of the time he's still super good. Is Araldis Chapman? Um, he has not really lost a step. Uh, st- like I mean, he's lost a step from the hundred five mile per hour days, but in terms of like how many batters he strikes out and and just consistently low ERAs and. Uh, save totals like high pretty high volume for a closer um yeah you gotta you gotta have her all this chapman in here i think um that's as much as as much as everybody's first thought of him is like not clutch there's a reason he's always in the game when uh when it matters most to give up the big hit it's because he's the best he's the best arm out of the best team's bullpen, and then he, uh, and then, yeah, and then bad things happen, <laughs> at least the last couple <laughs> years. Not always, though. A lot of times it works out. You're, the Cubs know. Um, so, yeah, uh, that Barely. is that is 100. Yeah, they, know. they almost don't know. <laughs> they, almost, yeah. they, they almost, yeah. They almost didn't. Of Chapman, they almost don't but know. But they, they also, they also, like, rode him to the, through the entire oh yeah together. no they only in remember the, the big that i recorded and haven't edited fully yet yeah like he pitched a ton in 
that post. It's only the moments. Like, he's he's just in there for all the m- worst moments to make you think he's terrible. My dad thinks Aralus Chapman sucks, and I'm like, he's really good. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I know you only ever watch the big moments. deciding uh, spot, and yeah. Yeah. Just, just go home. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we almost did this in under an hour and a half. I am a little disappointed that we didn't. I tried. Uh, there were some really good players that were not top 100 players sorry guys well episode 100 needs to be exactly 100 minutes why not mm, no <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh not not happening <laughs> um some honorable mention yeah sorry to to everybody who's just outside of that except kevin biggio i'm not sorry to you <laughs> mlb network loves you espn David Fletcher, ES- <laughs> espn loves you kevin biggio i don't know why Everybody else loves Kevin Biggio so much. Like, he's good. He walks a ton. He gets on base pretty well. But not... Like, he's not even Mark Canna on base percentage good. And that's, like, the main thing he contributes. Like, he's got okay power. I'm just trying to put together Kevin Biggio. He can be better, sure. A lot of these guys in the runner-up tier can be better. But he's just not yet. And... Every every other uh, MLB media outlet just loves Kevin Biggio. Not not today, sir. You are close, but no, you're not a top 100 player for us. Austin Meadows is another guy who probably earned or probably deserves the benefit of the doubt for a terrible 2020, um, but just not enough room for him on the list. He's probably the next guy up. Uh, Kirby Yates, another guy who maybe people forgot about, one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, probably the best relief pitcher in baseball, if you ask people at the end of 2019, but then, like, didn't pitch this last year. He's going to pitch now. He's going to pitch for Toronto. Um, And if he's pitching like he did before, then he's right back uh, in that top 100 mix. Whit Merrifield, I think, has a lot more name value than actual production. His, his stats just aren't that good. And also, eye test-wise, just isn't spectacular. Like, he's a good hitter. Yeah, outside, outside of being, like, uh, you know, just collecting a bunch of hits doesn't contribute much else. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Tucker, Luis Robert, Kyle Lewis, um, though Vladimir Guerrero Jr., all these guys that have incredible potential but really haven't done it at the big league level enough to to show like okay they've arrived and this is the type of player they are um they're just not there yet the eye test is impressive for some of these players but not above the the other guys we have um and then you probably do have to max kepler another guy who just like wasn't quite there um in the outfielder rankings you probably have to consider the defensive studs too like byron buxton kevin kiermeyer uh maybe even andrelton simmons depending on how far you want to go they add so much value with their defense alone um yeah but again just not spectacular with the bats like i i yeah like i i remember enough. i was complaining about buxton being on the top 100 list um for mlb network and then like you can't imagine how much he slugs, but then we looked at his on base percentage, which is two sixty seven, which is awful. And I don't care how much you add with your defense if you can't get on base, um, you know, over even a three hundred clip, like it's not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just a lot of guys that really could 
if you look, if you want to scratch 2020 from the record, which we almost did with, like, we essentially did that with some guys on our list, um, you probably have to consider some guys like Miguel Sano, Jorge Soler, um, like Tommy Pham even, Eduardo Escobar, um, guys who were really good in 2019 and were viewed that way, but then after 2020, either just more time had passed and they were just not spectacular, uh, kind of fell up, fell out of that tier. So, I don't know. A lot of really good players that could crack this list uh, at any point in the near future. But that is the whole list. We did it, and yeah, hundred episode 100 going to be about 100 minutes long. Uh, fitting, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that was intentional, even though it definitely wasn't. Uh, I'm tired. Are you guys good? Like, I, th- that was a lot it of It is now officially St. Patrick's Day at the time of this recording. So Happy St. Patrick's Happy Day. Happy 100-year anniversary to the podcast. <laughs> um, if you made it this far, if you made it 100 episodes and 100 minutes into the 100th episode... Thank you. You deserve a gold medal. I will make. I will bake you cookies, if you. Uh, that, if boy, you... That's, that's a long way away from a gold medal. But <laughs> cookies, you, you can't. Cookies? You can't eat a gold medal. I think you have. They're actually pretty good. Oh, just buy them Chipotle. All right. If you if you tweet at us that you listened to the hundredth minute of of our episode one hundred. Then I will buy you Chipotle. That's Wait, my we deal. Need like a, we need like a keyword that like you can't guess to know that they actually listen to this portion. There's no way they're gonna know about this at all. Unless like the keyword's Chipotle. <laughs> I'll buy you Chipotle if you're here. Anyway, all right. That is it. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, um, we will be doing a lot with the regular season to come. Uh. This is this is just the beginning of the 2021 season. So if you do want to hear more podcasts in the future, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a nice rating for us or a, a review. We appreciate those as well. Uh, and connect with us on social media. It's the only way to get your free Chipotle is if you tweet at us or Instagram us at BeatTheShiftBP. Uh, we're on Facebook too, I guess, but nobody uses Facebook. Uh, and... Is that it? BeattheShiftBaseball.com is our website. Uh, is not updated, so that's why these rankings will not be posted there right now, but they will be on our social medias, uh, so you can see the whole list. And yeah, that is it for today. I My voice is tired. Uh, that is it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. One last time, as always, Farbode. Peace. <laughs>